0: In fact, in fact, I might be the greatest of wandering minds. So often, I have to bring myself back into, pick myself, and reset. Say, ah, focus, focus, focus. Amen. Lamentations chapter three, Lamentations chapter three, and Judges chapter ten. Lamentations chapter three and Judges chapter ten. The title of the message is Plowing in Moab. Boy, she does a fine job. Found am a misguided this morning. <clears throat> How wonderful it is having this, the addresses of the verses up there. I got to thoroughly and throughly enjoy that in the message Sunday night. It was so... It was, the message was good, but I enjoyed the addresses too. Amen. Lamentations chapter 3 and Judges chapter 10. <clears throat> we'll begin the message this morning. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. <clears throat> this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hoped. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Amen. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. And I'm thankful for these verses. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And this is the main verse of the morning message. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Brother Shine, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir. <clears throat> It's good for a man that he bears the yoke in his youth. What's that even mean? It means that hard work is good for a young man. Good. As a young man, I should say as a young boy, I wish my daddy wouldn't have uh, heeded to that verse, but boy, he did. <clears throat> he always taught me, when I was young, he said, uh, <clears throat> the definition of character is working harder when no one else is looking. And I took that to heart as a young man. I'm talking even Wyatt's age. When Noah was looking, I would actually think to myself, I need to be working harder. It's good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. <clears throat> I've had my boys on rough jobs with me as young as ten years old, maybe younger. And good for them. You know, you can tear shingles off. Depend on the slope, of course. But you can tear shingles off. You can hand shingles. You can pick shingles up off the ground. Uh what I hated more than anything probably well I shouldn't say that two layer off are bad, but was picking up just the nails towards the end of the job. Because I don't care how many tarps you got, you got nails that you're just gonna find nails till kingdom come. I mean uh but what I would do is I had two young boys that are like six, seven, eight years old. <clears throat> they get a penny for every single nail they find. And it was a contest and there was a bonus who got the most. That was always a help, Amen. <clears throat> I still do it today. I still give you a penny for a nail, Ben. Luckily, we're not doing roughs like we used to. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, mamas will sometimes try to keep their their boys babies. That breeds what we call mama's boys. Nothing worse than a mama's boy. We never supported that at our house. and We do our best to not. But if you're married and your mom is your best friend over your wife, you're a mama's boy. If you have secrets between just you and your mom and you keep it from your wife, you're a mama's boy. If you can't decide between your wife's happiness or your mother's happiness, you're a mama's boy. I feel like Jeff Foxworthy right now. That is not my intentions, but that is definitely how I feel. Amen. When you get married, it's you and your wife. Keep your mom out of it. You and your wife are one. You should always have a united front. Say, so what does that have to do with Lamentations 327? Saying grown men don't stay at home and let their mommies take care of them. They work the plow. They go to work. You can't go and work the plaza for staying home every day eating grilled cheese sandwiches with the crust cut off and there ain't nothing better than mama's grilled cheese sandwich. I don't care what it is, but when mom makes a grilled cheese sandwich, it's better than yours every time. I've got more examples running through my mind this day and age. with so many uh, boys that, that, that live at home for, for extended periods of time and they just they just can't get away from mom's apron. Um, so many examples. And we all have examples. That's, we see that more nowadays. <coughs> but God said that it's good for a young man to work the plow. We need more men with a backbone and more men with character that are say, will say, hey, I'm going to work the plow. I'm going to leave mom and dad, mom and dad. I love you. I'll come visit you, but I'm going to go work the plow for my family. Point number one, plowing in Moab. Plowing in Moab. A we could turn to Judges chapter 10. Oh, good, you're already there. Judges chapter 10. You say, well, what is Moab? Well, first of all, Moab is a place. It's a physical place in, the, in Bible times that was the home to a pagan people. People that were descendants of Israel but resided in a place called Moab and they would grow farther and farther from God. The Moabites were what you would call polytheistic as in they served multiple gods. Judges chapter 10, verse 6. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam and Ashtaroth, and the gods, look at that plural of Syria, and the gods plural of Zidon, and the gods plural of Moab, and the gods plural of the children of Ham, and the gods plural of the Philistines, and forsook the Lord and served Him not. You say, I would never do that. Yet we do it every day. The God of money, the God of pride, the God of whatever, serve multiple gods oftentimes in our sinful state. The Moabites believed in polytheism as in multiple gods. The born-again child of God believes in monotheism as in there's one God. We believe that there's one God, three persons. Amen. As opposed to atheism, The belief that there's no God and no deity. And I worded that carefully in my notes. It's a belief that there's no God and no deity. Which means that it is a religion by definition. Although an atheist will never want to admit that. It's a religion. You also have agnosticism. Someone who claims that you can't know that there is or that there isn't a God. I, I saw an illustration one time and it was wonderful. I think it was on YouTube, Brother Rob. I was surfing... Something. And the guy was on the street somewhere and he had a little market board and he, and, and he came up to somebody and uh, asked if he believed in God or if he knew where he was going to heaven or something along those lines the guy said he's atheist and the guy doing the witness he said okay he said can you bear with me for a minute he said this dot is you and he put a dot here. he put a dot on the on the market board he said this dot is you he said, and this circle represents every known thing in the universe. Everything. What the best ketchup there is. How many atoms are in a chair, right? How many people are there? How, everything. that You can think of how many stars are in the sky, how many sands are in the sea. That circle represents everything in the known universe, and this is you. He said, and he gave the marker, he said, just draw a little portion of that circle. However much you think you know of the known universe. He said, just be honest. There's no wrong answer. So the guy just Be like a little circle Being honest right What we know in the known universe, We know a little bit and The guy doing the witnesses said So You're an agnostic You don't know that there's a God or not You're not atheist If you're an atheist It's a religion And you're believing that there's no God Big difference Big difference Turn to Psalms chapter 60 We'll turn a few times, not too much this morning. The honest person is either agnostic or their religion. They're agnostic or their religion. Moab is a place that is spiritually desolate. That's important to know. Whenever you're studying, uh, you're going through your Bible and it mentions Moab, it's a spiritually desolate place. It's, it changes the scripture. You may not understand what Moab was. Then you don't understand what Moab is. You're not understanding what the prophet's getting across. It may be beautiful on the outside, but it's dead man's bones for the inner man. Sodom and Gomorrah was a beautiful place. But oh, it was wicked. Oh, it was wicked. Psalms chapter 60 verse 8 says, Moab is my washpot. God doesn't have anything good to say about Moab. So the Moabites are a direct descendant of Lot's family, which explains a Lot, unfortunately. And Moab is a place where the spiritual plow has been left in the garden, left in the field to rot. Can I just stop for a moment and... And ask the questions to everyone here, anyone online in the future? The question to the preacher himself. Where's our plow today? Is it in the barn nice and clean because it's not used? Or did you take it out to the field one day and you started plowing? Then you decided it was too rough. Or maybe you worked, maybe you worked the whole day. But then you just left in the field because it was so hot out and you just had to come in and you never went back to plow. Where's your plow this morning? Because we all have a spiritual plow somewhere. Scripture tells us, turn to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, Scripture tells us that it's good for a young man to work the plow And Jesus expounded on that during His ministry. He tells us more about working in the plow here in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. God not only tells us that it's good for a young man to work the plow, but He also tells us that if you take hold of the plow, don't look back, just keep on plowing. What happens? What happens when you look back? You're plowing. I, I'm doing this, uh, not horse and buggy. I got the rototiller. It's a nice one. This is what I'm doing. If you look back, all of a sudden, you, oh, you, you, your row's not. Oh, your road's not straight. All of a sudden, we find ourselves. Oh, comparing ourselves among ourselves. We get way off track of where we're supposed to be. God said, that ain't life. How do you keep straight rows? Keep looking forward to where you're supposed to be going. Don't stop. Just keep it going. They had horses and, and I, I guess, some buggies. There's some sort of a plow, and they would stand on this plow and it would drag in the dirt and they're staring those horses they gotta keep those horses looking straight boy the, what hard work that is you've seen the Amish do that wow what hard work wow The working the plow builds character God knows that that's why I said it's good for a young man to work the plow. Hey, it's good for young boys to get up on a roof and do some roofing. we got boys that have never done anything in their whole lives, so then they grow up, they don't know how to do nothing, and they have uh, no work ethic to go with it. We look back and we think our church attendance is so good. We compare ourselves to somebody else plowing in the garden, and we think... Oh, my road's deeper than their row. I've gone further with my row than their row. And while we're watching them, our road's getting way off track when we don't even see it. Sometimes we look back and get off track. And sometimes, what else you can do with the plow? You can go way too fast. Man, we, we, we tore up some new ground about two three years ago. Woo, that's hard work even with the rototiller. Uh, ah, man, new ground is a whole nother scenario and it wants to just take you and go and the temptation is just to skim across the top but you can't do that you gotta dig deep keep it consistent slow and consistent another word you would use is faithful faithful sometimes When you're plowing and you hit a big old rock. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Rachel didn't love gardens so much. Mm-mm-mm. I have no problem. I love randazzles. I love it. Ain't it? <laughs> Sometimes you, you hit a big old rock and you got to stop and pick it up. Because if you don't, it's just going to really irritate you. If you, if you don't stop and pick up that big rock that's in your way, you're gonna be you're gonna bypass it next time you're coming through. Next time you're coming through, weeds are gonna go around it. The, the 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 fruit and vegetables gonna to have to go around. It's gonna be in your way. If you're gonna leave it there for the whole season. Guess what? That rock's gonna be there next year. We have Christians that spiritually come to a big rock in their life and they're like, "eh, don't deal with it now. Um, I just want to skim the top and not worry about nothing else." So here they find themselves a year later looking at the same rock. But it's not one rock. It's another rock, and another rock, and another rock, and now it's got weeds all over it. Then then they spend their life in the symptom of their own sin, dealing with all these rocks, and it's so cumbersome, just because they didn't take care of it as they went. Talking about plowing in Moab. Begs the question, where is your plow this morning? Okay, well, that's not very deep, brother. You know, did you follow the trend of Moab and leave your plow in the garden to rot? Is it being used daily? Number one, plowing in Moab, number two and my final point, reaping in Moab. Go to Jeremiah 48. That's our original text, I believe. Nope. Go to Jeremiah 48. Jeremiah 48. Number one, plowing in Moab. Number two, reaping in Moab. God he is not happy with the people of Moab. God, God is calling them out to the preacher of the hour. Guess who it is? Jeremiah. Jeremiah 48.10 says, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. How do you do that? Well, not by having good character. That's that's lying to others about serving God. Posting on social media is a great example. Look how great I am because I've done this. All the while you're serving the Lord deceitfully. You know, we serve the Lord deceitfully. We tell ourselves. We're doing better than we are because we can't face reality of where our heart really is. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully and cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from blood. As in not going to battle when you ought to go to battle. God says, Cursed be him. In verse 11 says, Moab had been at ease from his youth. You know, got yeah, a, a lot of young people today, my generation younger in particular we've been at ease from our youth I have had it really good I didn't get um, air conditioned until I was 19 years old and when I tell that to my fellow peers it's a sad story like oh my goodness how'd you survive your life and I could talk to Brother Riley or some other man and they'd be like boy you don't even need air conditioned We had it so good. And we have these mamas boys spiritually that have never grown because they want somebody else to take care of everything else for them. It comes a point in life, and the preacher can't make a grilled cheese sandwich. You got to make it for yourself. Moab hath been at ease from his youth, and he hath settled on his leaves and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel; neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him, and his scent is not changed. Lees is the sediment, uh, the the leftover uh, sediment within during the wine process, and you would you would take the juice. You ever seen juice, and you you, you leave it for a while, you know, it sediments build up at the bottom. Well, in the wine process, so I read, they, they they take the grape juice, pour it in a a, a bag uh, or, or a container, they let it sit there for quite a while. Then they pour it out, and what remained was the leaves. And they they do that again, process after process, and they have so many times. And then the last last time they pour it out, they leave it there like the longest or something or, or a really long time. And then, uh, but each time it's purifying it and purifying it, it gets better. Uh, and more mature, uh, I, I'm told. Amen. But that's what that's what the Lord is talking. Remember, this is the Word of God speaking to Jeremiah. Not Jeremiah's opinion. This is God talking through Jeremiah. He is the man of the hour. And God, the man of God, is telling the people that they're settling on their lease That they're not being poured out at all. That the maturing process is not taking place at all because they've been at ease from their youth. We have a mindset. um, um, We have a mindset as parents, especially in today's culture. Especially in today's culture, we want the best for our kids, and that's that's true. That statement goes across the board to any religion. To You're a parent, you want the best for your kids. But here's the difference. The best for our kids, it means a whole lot of different things than it means to other people than it means to me. I've had people talk about, oh, my kids are so success- successful. I'm so thankful they graduated college and, and they did this and they got this great job. And man, they're, they're doing so wonderful. They're so successful. I'm so proud of them. And I'm thinking, if that was my kid, I'd be so ashamed. They don't go to church. They don't read their Bible. They want nothing to do with God. Finding the best part of kids doesn't just mean physical, carnal. Uh, the best of the best and having good food and having uh, uh, air condition when you're 19 years old, amen. That's not, uh, having the best for your kids, man, making sure that they're spiritually fed. Making sure that they know that the word of God is a foundation for everything in life if you want to be truly happy. That is not a popular message in America today. But God speaking to Jeremiah. he's saying there's no maturing process taking place in their laziness they've left the plow in the field and they have no fruit to show in their garden can we just take it a step further if we could be honest with ourselves one where's your plow this morning but two is there any fruit in the garden I think for a lot of us, we have flowers that are just rotted and we don't even know how to use it. Let alone getting some crops, watering them, pulling the leaves, tending to it, then they grow, and having some fruit now that you can share. No, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you tell an awful lot. You tell an awful lot about a man or a woman by the fruit in their life. Amen. God is telling them that their laziness and their apathy towards the things of God have caused them to be stunted in their spiritual maturity. Do you see the application here? Our laziness spiritually and in our, in our ease and in our youth has caused us to be spiritually stunted. We're not maturing like we should be. We're, when we go through hard times, we're not relying on the Lord. We just walk away and say, forget it. Let's just settle on the least... Oh, well, it it tastes good enough to me. Just deal with it. I'm good. As opposed to being poured out, letting God take you through that trial. There's just something about, there's just something about a spiritually mature Christian that you can go to and they can just give you some advice because they've been through trials. If you've never given it to the Lord, you will always live an anxious life. You've never given it to the Lord. You will always, always, always be miserable. There's no maturing taking place. The the average, the average teenager or college graduate thinks that they're just so mature, right? I'm here to tell you, every every adult looking back would look at look at them and be like, they're just getting started. They don't know half of what they think they know. I'm going to be forty, and I feel like, hey, I'm forty. I've got kids, and so I've worked a job, and I know things about life. And and right now, there's men thinking, boy, you haven't gone through the, the, the loss of your parents yet. You've never lost your uh, children. You've never been in a house you, house fire. You've never been stolen from. I mean, I mean, things in life that I haven't gone through that a whole lot of other people older than me have that are more mature than I. Just in a carnal sense, let alone a spiritual sense. First time we have a spiritual problem, just run from it. We don't study it out. What's the word of God say about it? We don't take the time to let God work that refiner's fire, do a work in us, and allow him to go through the situation and not just be like, forget it, let's just skim over the top. I don't want to deal with it. We wind up an immature Christian with no maturity. Where you get that peace that passes understanding? Amen. I'm just thankful for mature Christians that have been through something that I can rely on. Back to our text, Jeremiah 48:12. We have been at ease from our youth spiritually, by and large. By and large, we have been at ease at ease from our youth. But we are honest with ourselves. God has a message for those who have left their plows to rot. Look at verse 12. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send unto him wanderers that shall cause him to wander and shall empty his vessels and break their bottles. God's telling His people, you can, you can allow your will to be broken for Me willingly, or you can allow the wanderer to come and break you. from you think that we're a child of God? Everything is just hunky oh, Okay, we're going to heaven. No, no. Now there's a standard. Now there's now we're children of God, right? We're responsible for quite a number of things. It's not just get saved and leave it alone. Not just, oh good, I have a plow and I have a garden. I I can let you let the weeds grow. No, we have to answer for it. Verse 13. And Moab shall be ashamed of Chemish as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel the confidence. God's saying, you're going to be ashamed of what God you put before me. You can uh, uh, allow God to mature you willingly or He will chastise you like a good and faithful father does. It's less and less popular to spank your kids or to discipline your kids. Turn to Hebrews 12, 6, and we'll close here. I just want to point out that a loving father will spank his child. Out of love. But a self-loving and lazy father will even be to settle on his lease no consequence. Because it's much easier not to spank your children. It's much easier to not go through whatever spiritual trial it is and trust on the Lord. It's much easier just to put it off this side and let that rock grow. Let, let, let that rock grow weeds all around it. That's way easier. Hebrews 12 6. For whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. I'm here to tell you, uh, Joel Olstein isn't going to preach that verse. No, sir. Verse 7, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all our partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. I'm thankful God's thanks children. I'm glad that He directs us in our paths, wherever it may be. I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Verse 9, Furthermore, we we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit that we might be partakers of His holiness. Jump to verse 13. Make straight paths for your feet, lest lest which is lame be turned out of the way, but uh, let it rather be healed. He's saying, hey, make sure your paths are straight. Look at verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. But people have a problem in the church, is because of bitterness. Hey, pick any topic, any category. The root cause bitterness. Rocks left in the field, not tended to. Plows that are rotted, not tended to. Because we'd rather watch Netflix because that's easier. We'd rather just walk away and say, you know what? I'm not going to tend the garden today. We have no thought of maturing the inner man God only chastises his children he only corrects his own that's a blessing that is a blessing I'm thankful for a father growing up that would spank me and he would correct me and he taught me how to work as a young man I'm thankful for a Heavenly Father, the spanks and He corrects me. And He shows me that there's plenty of work, and there's plenty of harvest to be done if we would just step out and do it. But maybe you're not even part of the family. Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28. Just come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I hope, upon you, learn of me, by I am meek and lowly and hard, and you shall find rest in your soul, fit for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The world looks on at the Christian and says, you got a book of rules and what a yoke on your shoulders, but you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And the bitter backslidden Christian has the same perspective. The preacher wants us to do this, and the preacher wants us to do that, and God expects this out of me. But oh, to the Christian that's uh, 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 letting God pour him out bag after bag. To the Christian that's got his got his got his uh, 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 face towards the plow and where he's going, man. God allows me to do this. I got how much free time on a Sunday, man. I get to take a nap every Sunday afternoon. Glory to God. God's given me so, oh, wow. Oh, son, it's all about how much grace we have, not how much rules we have. But the difference is not every one of us are sons. Not every one of us are members of the same family. Romans 10, 9, and we know this, that thou shalt confess with what? A mouth. Amen. Shall believe in thy heart that God's raising from the dead? Thou shalt be saved. For with the what? With the heart. Man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth. Confession. made And salvation. Want to be a part of the family of God? Keep your heart on your knees. And say God I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. I'm going to hell without you. Would you send your Holy Spirit to come into my heart and save me? I want to be part of the family of God. I want to I want to get my spiritual and I want to start plowing. And I don't want to look back for the kingdom of God. Because I want to be fit for the kingdom of God. I want to, man, what, what a blessing. We're going to get to hear, he's going to say, well done, not doing a faithful servant. You don't want to hear nothing else. Close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for... It was allowing us the privilege of experiencing just a little bit of, just a drop.